Hey everyone, I'm Tino Beth. This is a Quantum Feedback Podcast, episode number nine. And this is part two of The Environment is Everything, a conversation I had with Gary Opert. Enjoy. Welcome to the Quantum Feedback Podcast, where together we'll explore the bridge between science and spirituality, translate the messages of the divine, and play the infinite game to live love, and learn life lessons. I'm your host, Tino Beth. Let's dial in to quantum feedback. Welcome to the show. Okay, so before we start part two of The Environment is Everything, I wanted to do a quick shout-out because uh, some of you may not know, but I originally started building websites a long, long, long time ago, and Gary Opert's website, garyopert.com, go and check it out, was my first website I built, and this is like an experiment that I did where I practically, essentially, I, um, I, I employed someone to help me build it, and I really just took this experiment, and I took it, sort of took it a leaf out of the four-hour work week and sort of outsourced the creation of this website. Now, what happened was I left it for so long that I actually got an error. And this morning when I woke up, just before I was publishing this episode, there was an error on the pod, on the, on the Gary Opet website. So I quickly jumped onto Fiverr and found someone to fix WordPress errors. And it cost me like 20 bucks and he fixed it. And it was so quick and easy. Uh, and I can't believe how how easy it is, how quick that is. So, if you wanna, if you have any errors, or if you have any need of getting outsourcing and really accelerating your growth and your ability to create your content and create your vision in the world, then I highly recommend that you go to Fiverr or go to quantumfeedback.org forward slash Fiverr with two R's. And that'll help you to get in touch with all the resources, all the help that you need at a low cost and to outsource the jobs, the problems and the errors that are in your life so that you can keep moving at a fast pace and keep creating your vision into the future. So kick back and relax. And this is part two of my episode with Gary Opert. Enjoy. You know, so, so now we regard ourselves as human beings, but we're actually populations of symbiotic microbes as part of the living surface of a planet. And you can't take, you know, they think of, you think, yeah, you know, we'll go off into space. But, you know, the, the human has to take its environment into space with it. Yeah. Like, you know, the atmosphere and, and food and water to drink or whatever. Yeah. And the chance of surviving in that alien environment, you know, that is highly unlikely. For, like, for the first few fleets, it's going to be pretty difficult. Yeah, and maybe forever. <laughs> and maybe forever, you don't know. Until the, it, those dead people start to, like, <laughs> grow the new environment. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but and, even, and in space travel, although it looks great in a fantasy film because there's always challenges, once you've developed your technology so you can do that, Space travel is actually incredibly boring because <laughs> nothing would ever Nothing's happen. Happening. Yeah, it'd be just like in a bus and you'd never get there. You you'd know, have to watch sitting. a lot of Netflix or TV. Yeah, yeah, or... yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, unless there's, and, and if you've solved your problems and, you know, unless there's other aliens trying to kill you or something or other, like in Star Wars or something or other, 
which is highly unlikely. Mm. Um, you know, you're liable to just find there's nothing out there and you can travel forever. <laughs> and every place you travel looks exactly like where you came from, you know, with the suns and gas planets and deadly planets and actually nowhere you can ever land, you can never breathe the air. <laughs> there's no dock you can inside. arrive at. There's no, no arriving. There's always No, just... no. And to find another planet like the Earth, you might have to travel halfway across the galaxy or something to find one that's... And then you couldn't so land there or inhale it, and you can never you can never beam down like in Star Trek or something, because <laughs> that atmosphere that they, you know you see that um, the, the the crew beam down onto the surface of the planet, but there'd be as soon as they inhaled the atmosphere, uh, it would be full of microbes because there's ten thousand microbes in every square meter of air, mm. so they'd breathe in alien microbes who would immediately begin to digest them from the inside, so they'd eat their lungs first. So they'd be dead, dead within minutes. Mm. So you can't beam down onto the living surface of a planet. It's a physical impossibility. Mm. And so now the, that's you have probably... To evolve into the... Yeah, yeah. And as well as that, you're made out of microbes yourself. Mm. So your microbes that are covering your skin, because we're covered in microbes, and we're composed entirely of microbes, there's nothing but microbes. Those mm. microbes would get into the environment of the alien planet. Mm. Which the other animals and plants and what have you in that on that other alien planet and don't have any immunity to, because mm. we can only survive because we're immune to millions of microbes that are all surrounding us and being inhaled and everything, and we're a bit like whales feeding on krill. We're sucking in all these microbes and digesting them, and so we're immune to them all. It's symbiotic to it all, <laughs> and and us and uh, so you. So as soon as you landed on, and that's one of the wor- their worries, they're worried about if you land on, the, say, Mars or whatever, well, microbes from humans might then start spreading through the Martian soil or who knows, like, you know, and, then, and it's out of control already, who knows what. <laughs> um, it probably wouldn't because the solar radiation would probably just cook anything that <laughs> got out. And, so, uh, and then, of course, you know, the chance of even, say, if you wanted to go to Mars and colonise Mars or whatever, well, you always got to live indoors mm. and the slightest accident means you're dead. <laughs> with, that, with opening the door? Or... Yeah, yeah. If, any problem, if there's any problem, something blows up or something catches fire or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's going to take a long, long time. And in meanwhile, say, so like, oh, well, eventually you might end up with a base, but why do you want to be there? I mean, it's always going to be deadly deadly out you can't breathe the atmosphere you can't run around and enjoy yourself like i mean be better back here on earth where we're part of the earth yeah uh, so that's that's really like takes us back to the earth kind of full circle and really brings us into this aspect of ecology that you've been so passionate about you've dedicated your whole life to there's only ecology there's nothing else Mm. there there isn't anything else but ecology on the surface of the planet you know Mm. and ecology is just the matter and energy and the organisms that are recycling it all And, and and reason why we weren't created by aliens you know like i mean now there's all of these ridiculous beliefs and one of them one of the most ridiculous of all is really held by a great many people is that is that um, and and this is from re- people reading uh, or trying to read translate Phoenician works and everything about recordings, um, you know these gods or whatever taught yeah. them this that and the other and so there's this theory of the aliens needed gold 
and so they genetically engineered monkeys to turn them into to humans so that then they could give these monkeys a pick and then they could dig the gold up and give it to the aliens. And you think, well, the aliens, the, if you want gold, the, the, the universe, the space is full of gold and everything. It was golds formed in the, in the centre of, of exploding suns of supernova. Everything's created there. And uh, so if there's as much gold in anything you want... In space, you don't have to come to an Earth planet and, <laughs> and get the local monkeys to dig Sift it up for through you. Through the sand to yeah. find some, yeah. And then, and then, and the, the beliefs is stupidity beyond belief. <laughs> um, isn't there, there's no common sense used at all. And you think, well, if you've got a technology that you can even travel to other stars, which is such a vast <laughs> distance, you need so much energy and there's so much complexity. Then, and you've obviously got laser beams and energy weapons and particle beams and anything else. Well, you can take as much gold as you like out of anything you want if gold's so valuable. And what's valuable about gold anyway? You don't, you're not going to have a nuts and bolts bloody spacecraft and technology built out of gold or metals or something or other um, because you probably need some sort of force field technology. Mm. Uh, you certainly can't be travelling at speeds greater than the speed of light if you're just using some nuts and bolts thing, like a giant battleship or something or other spaceship thing, um, like you see in Star Trek and everything else, you need a technology that's much more advanced that's going to hold together. It's got to be like a biotechnology almost. Probably, Like a living layer over it. And and it has to be some sort of energetic technology because it's got to move through... The universe is composed entirely out of energy, and uh, and, the, and the vacuums of space. Yeah, it's got to be <laughs> it's, alive. It's it's a vacuum. It isn't full of much in the way of matter mm. of, of solid objects. There are solid objects widely dispersed, but it's full of energy. You know, of cosmic radiation, vast, endless amounts of it, incredibly powerful. And so, mm. there's no vacuum, <laughs> and you've got to move your way through that all that radiation. And so. You have to become part of that radiation to move through it. You can't, you know. I mean, even if you're going through a wormhole, well, that's a wormhole through radiation anyway. And a wormhole is probably full of radiation as well. Like, you really have to have you know, yeah, incredibly own, advanced technology to move You're an through. energetic field. Yeah. Like you've got to be travelling in a torus in yeah. an energetic field like the Earth. Yeah. Reverse engineer that. And then you can travel. So, 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 and then... <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, and the other thing is, people don't imagine. They imagine people are, are wonderful, but everything on the earth's wonderful. Like giraffes are wonderful, and whales are wonderful, and and so uh, people. That, a lot of people like because they can't imagine evolution. Because you know, to them it's oh to un, to accept evolution, you have to accept Darwin, which was just one of the people that 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 began to understood the process but evolution is simply adaptation to change it's just a word mm. and everything is changing the, mm. un- the universe never stops changing there's only, the only thing in the universe is movement mm. and anything alive has to constantly adapt to those changes and and uh, and so everything evolves the so civilization evolves um, we keep on adapting to new technologies it's all about being able to take in that that information of the changing environment, yeah, that yeah. feedback that you're getting, and then use your big brain to make choices to navigate 
that situation. Yeah. So you, you see, everything's evolving. The universe evolves. The animals and plants evolve. The people evolve. The technology evolves. Everything evolves. But uh, of course, the majority of the population they've been they've been um, indoctrinated by their <coughs> their culture, uh, and and every every individual on Earth has been indoctrinated by a culture, uh, and. Uh, and so that culture determines the way they can think. Mm. Uh, and so there's no such thing as free thought uh, in that the, the culture that, we're, that we're born into um, teaches us to think, mm. teaches us to read and write using a particular language or whatever. Gives us the type of books and the words to read. And then, yeah. and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's... So all we can do is... Is uh, rearrange the material that we've <coughs> uh, that we've been raised with. We can't think beyond our culture. We, we're, you know, we're, there's only the community. There's no independent thought. Mm. We're simply recycling old thoughts constantly. Recycle. I mean, we're getting new information coming in from research, from people observing, and and measuring, and 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 listening, and. And thinking, mm. uh, and, and so we can have you know greater information coming in. Mm. But it's the cultures, and the culture can can advance. But culture but, can dis- be disrupted, like it's just happened with the <laughs> this virus, the COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and um, and and because that's just one variety of virus, and every one of us, there's trillions of viruses in us of all different kinds, and uh, and we're not even sure what viruses are. Because their virus is just a collection of of molecules that uh, uh, <coughs> that are otherwise normally found in cells, uh, and some experts say there aren't any such things as viruses. These are <laughs> because viruses, like I mean, they <laughs> they they reproduce, but uh, you know they don't have. The, they they're not regarded as true living entities, you know, true living things, you know. Mm. They're like um, reproducing chemicals, you know, almost like like a prion um, is a is is a crystal, is mm. a, a crystal that once it once it's in your brain, it can absorb the nutrients and then it grows, produces more crystals. It grows. And that creates that mad cow disease, uh, um, but the prion. But it's you know it's, it's not re- it's like it's a very not floating <laughs> through the air. Generally, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. The, um, or maybe they are, but they but they but they live they live naturally in 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 brains apparently in resource rich environments. Yeah, there might be in other places as well. But um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> so a virus is a bit like that. It's like um, you know. Uh, uh, a uh, it's like it's like it, they're like pre-life, you know. Mm. And some people say, oh, they're not even; they're just parts of cells." Anyway, I don't really know myself. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't know either. But but it certainly made a difference to the world. It's, and, <laughs> well, it's cra- changed a culture. Mm. I mean, they've created a narrative about it, and then yeah. that's just turned into like this propaganda message, and then influencing the culture. That's kind of where the the thread was. It's like creating this new body of thought now within millions of people's minds mm. and reducing their ability to think in, in a way that's just, you know, contracting them. And, uh, yeah, so, it, and because, like, the, uh, 
it, what it's done, <coughs> the universe, reality, always corrects fantasy. Mm. And the majority of people live a fantasy existence. You know, mm. they have no understanding of true reality. Mm. They, they have a fantasy that they're important individuals not not really connected to the rest of reality, mm. which is a complete nut of fantasy, mm. that they're going to live forever, that they're going to be important. Most of them are fantasise that they that they want to be rich and famous or something or other, which is highly unlikely um, because, you know, like a very minute proportion of the population become rich or famous. Either way, it's just a story. Yeah, and, he, and then if you're talking to those people that are rich and famous... Often it's a lot, it's, it, it, it didn't bring them any happiness at all because there's all kinds of pressures that come with fame and fortune or what have you. Yeah, it's, i got to carry around this other story now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, uh, yeah, so, uh, and, and, and so, and then the other greatest fantasy of all is our economy mm. uh, that we can, because the problem is with our economy is that it can only survive if it grows. Uh, and, and that's with everything. Everything has got to grow, but but growth is limited by your environment. Mm. So <laughs> you can only have so many people before you've outgrown your environment. Same thing. You can only have so many sheep or cattle or chickens or whatever on your farm mm. before pigs or whatever before you've, <laughs> you've maxed it out. You maxed it out, and then this then when you get too many chickens or. or, or pigs or, or, or cattle or sheep or whatever, they begin to destroy the environment that dependent on and then they begin to die back down. Mm. And and so our economies um, can only survive as it's growing, but it can't grow in a constrained environment forever like it's like it's does like it's most people fantasize. Mm. And uh, so reality COVID nineteen is a perfect example of reality saying that, no, you might think it's a wonderful idea to travel all over the world and in planes and go on cruise ships and everything and have a good time, but it's a limited environment that's all happening and it's using up resources, mm. which are finite, mm. and it's polluting the environment. Eight, pe- eight billion people want to do that now yeah, as an yeah. every weekend occurrence. And it's simply not a possibility. And, and of course, um, and, the, and the, the major problem is that uh, the, the living planet is a single living organism and it can only survive under certain circumstances it cannot survive if one species tries to dominate the whole thing mm. uh, and and of course most people live in the fantasy world that that we oh no we we can't really pollute we can't really change the climate but obviously you can change the climate just by cutting down the trees will change the climate mm. and and uh, uh, and so the all the, the fossil fuels that we've burnt, the coal and the, and the petroleum and the gas and everything, <coughs> it's all produced carbon dioxide, which acts as a, as a, as a, 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 gl- a greenhouse gas, um, so it stops the heat escaping after it's, after it's reached the earth. It, it can't radiate back out. Um, and then it's being absorbed by the oceans, and the oceans are becoming acidic. Uh, and in the last decade, um, growth in the oceans uh, uh, decreased by about seventy-five percent, particularly in in organisms that 
take calcium out of the water to grow shells. Mm. So like shellfish and crustaceans in particular and what have you. Mm. And the scientists say that within this decade, the oceans will die, mm. which will wipe humanity off the face of the earth. It'll be So like the people that you know now, their age, well, they've probably got a maximum of another 10 years to live mm. before they're dead because the environment will have collapsed because the economy will have destroyed it. But, you know, most people live in this fantasy that, oh, no, it'll go on forever. Um, and it, it, if you're in a locality like where we are here, where it's nearly all forested and farms and everything and not many people, mm. you can imagine it could grow forever. Yeah. But if you go to any of the big cities in the Northern Hemisphere, you can see it can't grow any bigger because it's already covered in people and it's already polluted uh, and and, uh, uh, and 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 it also, and the food has to travel further and all the resources have to be brought in further mm. to feed that population and it's continuously growing. You can see it's, it's, it, there's no physical reality to it surviving. Mm. And then when you, when you begin to disturb the, um, the animals and the way they've been disturbing, uh, you know, feeding on wildlife, wild animals, and, 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 and exterminating, reducing their numbers... Uh, and and so uh, the microbes that are part of those animals, they'll begin to mutate as well. Like especially if the animal's sicker, mm. not in full health, and just like our, us, you know, the uh, the microbes that the, or the microbes surrounding us, the microbes within us, are, uh, become unstable, or some the population levels go down, down, or, or or some microbes begin to overpopulate, over overcome other microbes. Anyway, you you have this. <laughs> Like that, just now in in China, there's um, and it happens in places where it's overpopulated, and the environment's been devastated. That's where it, it takes place. Mm. And uh, uh, of course, um, now they've, they've uh, a pig virus, a pig flu, is now jumping into into people. Mm. So a new pandemic's already beginning to start. Mm. Uh, plus, we've just had um, the African swine fevers wiped out. Forty-five percent of the Chinese pigs. Mm. So, and I mean, this is all. You know, as you get the population increases, maybe that's what the whole thing about. becomes unstable. Yeah, and it's just a natural consequence. So, this COVID nineteen, if it hasn't been created, because mm. we could be in a full war event. This could be the third world war as well, mm. because um, so, see, uh, interestingly enough, uh, a couple of Nobel Prize winning virologists have said. This virus was created mm. because viruses, although they can be dangerous, they're usually uh, uh, adapted to particular climates. Mm. So a virus might w work very well in a hot climate but won't work in a cold climate. This mm. is what one of the viro virologists said. I don't know. I wouldn't know myself. But um, uh, um, so this virus operates in all climates, so it's not natural. Mm. That was one of the statements. Mm. that it was created. Another chap, a Japanese professor who's retired, he worked at that Wuhan laboratory, and he said, oh, we were working on that very virus, turning it into a bioweapon or whatever they were doing with it. And uh, he said when, he, when, it, when the outbreak started, he phoned up his 50 colleagues. Um, they were still working. He'd, he'd retired. He was older. Mm. Uh, and they were like Chinese and he was Japanese. 
he said that um, every one of their phone numbers um, had been disconnected and he believes they'd all been killed, they'd all been assassinated. Mm. So the word wouldn't come out that this is this is actually full-scale warfare. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the effect, like the follow-on effect of having a virus that goes out, probably is like, you know, maybe it just influences other viruses in the in the in the biology of life, so that our food chain is disrupted. Oh, like like, it, like it, the pigs, and then they yeah. have a virus and they get killed. We're not too bad, you know. It doesn't kill humans that well. This virus. Um, but if we don't get pigs, and if pigs drop off the map, and yeah. you know, there's a massive like shortage of food, creates this this more chaos. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and so this COVID nineteen, this is just the beginning. You know, yeah. here in the first of July, this is just the beginning. It, I mean, it's you know, from the first whatever it was took a month to get to the to what from one person to a million people or something like that, and then you know, then, and now it's sort of like a. A million people, you know, a week or something, you know, like it's it's it's, it's expanding exponentially, and it will. Mm. So it'll it'll expand right through the, especially the overcrowded populations of Eurasia and Africa, South America, mm. uh, and um, it's going to almost certainly devastate the economy. Yeah, and 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 um, kill off vast numbers of people, huge numbers. Well, it's already half a million dead, Mm. and this is just the beginning of it. It'll probably be, who knows, many millions dead, maybe billions dead by the time it runs its course. Yeah, and they go on about a vaccine. Well, there's no vaccine for AIDS for HIC. That's a related virus. Mm. I mean, they might get a vaccine, (laughs) but. You know, the common cold's a virus, isn't it? There's no vaccine for the common cold. You can get flu viruses, but you've got to keep on getting new ones or something because it keeps on mutating. Mm. You know, it's... um, um <coughs> It's... Uh, 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 this is just the beginning of the apocalypse as far as, as, far as we can see. Yeah, so, like, looking into the future, what what's your perspective on... AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, oh, I think I don't think AI has a future because I don't think humanity is a future. <laughs> because we can see what's happening right in front of our eyes. The um, the eco the the living organism that is the living planet mm. it is uh, is dying. You know the environment's been devastated. The forests are responsible for the weather. Mm. That, that, the, the forests that produce the wind, mm. the forests that produce the oxygen, the ocean does as well, like the, um, the, the plankton and what have you, because mm. the oceans are now full of rubbish, full of plastic, mm. so, that, so, that, <coughs> so that's decreased um, mm. the, the value of the oceans, but, but uh, still it's incredibly valuable. But, but um, uh, <coughs> the, um, like one of the, the, another ridiculous theory uh, put forward by experts in AI is that you know uh, humans are just a stepping stone towards um, you know AI you know non biological intelligence, mm. and that's utter stupidity because um, life is all about uh, meeting challenges. Mm. It's all there is. It's it, you know meeting your challenges. You know so. 
every day. Learning from your mistakes. Learning from your mistakes, and you've got to eat, and you've got to defecate, you've got to have a shelter, you've got to raise your, your young, you've got to, you know, survive. Maintain stability. Maintain stability, or whatever, maintain a community. There's all these challenges, your whole life. If there was no challenges, where is the life? Mm. And so say, say you had, you know, humans are able to create incredible robots, you know, like that are... Instead of humans, you've got robots. Yeah. But they don't have any challenges because they're just machines. Even if they're intelligent thinking machines, what are they going to do? Just do their job. To do their job. <laughs> What's their job doing? Nothing. So they'll just turn themselves off. They'll say, why even be here? We'll just turn ourselves off. There's no reason to, to be here. We have tools because the tools are needed to meet our challenges. Mm. We don't have tools for no reason. We don't build things that do nothing. So, I mean, what if you had a, a, a civilization of robots and what, what have they got to do? Well, they don't have to do anything at all because, you know, there's to say they might be solar-powered, so they're sitting there, they've got as much energy as they want. They can reproduce more robots, which can produce more solar power, but what are they doing? Just doing nothing. They don't need to do anything. They could... They could maybe mine minerals to make more of them or something. Like that. But that you know, there's no. I mean, the most of the they're not. There's no challenges that you know. That what are they going to? They're not connected to the ecology, like the, no. to the biology of the of the planet. So totally disconnected. And where are you going to go? Do you want to go off into space to see things or look at things? I mean, you can look at it with the space just with a telescope. You can see there's nothing there but stars. And gas planets and a few rocky planets, all highly inhabit and uninhabitable, mm. and, and no reason to colonise or whatever. Mm. And the same thing with science fiction with these aliens that in, invade planets. Like, why would they bother invading a planet? Like, a, the thing is, they're not going to be aggressive because they would have killed themselves off long ago. They have to be totally harmonious. Mm. The same thing with our civilizations are mostly harmonious. Mm. And the harmonious ones move ahead, uh, and the disharmonious ones tear themselves to pieces, like he's got in the Middle East, like in Syria and stuff. If they're the slightest bit disharmonious, yeah, then they tear themselves them too to much pieces. Conflict, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you you're not going to get aggressive aliens moving through the 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 only the only extraterrestrials, and that and that's exactly what people report. Mm. They um they. They would have advanced consciousness, but they have no, but they they have no independent thought. Pretty much, they have hive minds, which is which is what we're doing. We're going in that same direction. If yeah. we do survive, if we do survive COVID nineteen, and you know maybe populations will, um, uh, the only thing you can do, like um, if if you um, for instance. Uh, the way with mobile phones, you know, where compared to how when you were a child, um, you know, you had one phone in each house yeah. and it rang and you answered, hello, who's there? <laughs> uh, you know, and it might have only ring three or four times a day or whatever because, you know, you didn't often phone and talk to somebody. You went out and you worked or did whatever. And they yeah. might be phoning each other if you if it's part of your, your career, your employment or whatever. But now everyone's got a mobile phone. And so now <coughs> everyone's looking at the similar things uh, and, and, uh, uh, and so the, 
diversity of thought, say, decreasing, because before mobile phones, everyone was doing their own thing and their own cultures in their own locality. They had time and attention to, like, spend at their own free will. Yeah, and, and now they've all got mobile phones, wonderful tools, fabulous fools, tools, but, you know, they're probably, maybe they're all speaking English or Mandarin or what have you, or French or something, or Italian, Spanish. It's, it's almost like <laughs> Portuguese. the but human has become the tool of the phone. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because you can't own anything, it owns you. And the Aboriginal people are all spot on. You can mm. never own anything because all you can do is take care of it. So if you have a block of land or if you have a car or have a computer, and it's a wonderful thing to own, but you have to maintain it. If You become a slave to it. Mm. Like you have to look after it and, make, and keep it energised, you know, make sure it's plugged in so it's getting electricity or whatever. You've got to keep it clean, you, you know, it... Same with your car, right. you know, it's wonderful at first. You can drive and you can go here, there and everywhere and then you run out of pat- petrol or whatever, the battery's got to replace and need oil in it and it's, and you've got to fix the tyres and da-da-da and then suddenly it's costing you a fortune to own it. Well, so like we, with a house. We, in the, at the end, like, for, if, to get robots, to get the new technology, to get the AI, you have to then work for it. Yeah, you yeah, have to yeah, then become, work for, yeah. You have to work to get it because it's like it's at a price point that's not accessible to most yeah. people, and most people are dreaming of that as a new dream. Mm. Sell that new dream, and and the thing is, and then you have it, and you're working for your thing, and you and you're working for it, and it's not bringing you as much pleasure as it would have been if you just sat out in the garden, you know, enjoying yourself or what what have you. Like I mean, because the only pleasure comes from community from sitting around talking with others or whatever and in living in your natural environment it doesn't coming it doesn't come from you know owning stuff like even if you've got a wonderful musical instrument but you're not playing your musical instrument all that often say most of the time you're mm. communicating with members of your community or whatever or getting mm. food together or doing this you know yeah interacting um, with your environment so like wonderful things computers and everything else but this is just the beginning of AI, so like everything's getting smaller with the microchips and everything. So and in, so and you know phones have gone from things the size of bricks, and the weights of bricks with big antennas to to little tiny things. So theoretically, they'll get smaller and smaller. And like the sensible thing is to is to have a a little mobile phone like inserted into you. <laughs> brain or something like a microchip or something rather where why bother holding something in your hand and pushing buttons or whatever when um when you when it can work automatically and that's more efficient because life's everything about life's about efficiency efficiency. Mm. and so and that that would create a utopian world like you'd be able to get rid of all crime and all Mm. violence say because everyone's in communication with each other as they are now with mobile phones like the beauty about mobile phones well fabulous things i think they're wonderful Mm. the the chance of being attacked by somebody is less because you can instantly you can instantly phone for help Mm. Uh, and record and you can also record it and so what we've seen overseas with George Floyd being attacked and everything, if, if someone's misbehaving, they can record it. Yeah. So it's a fabulous tool, and then more and more people are drawn to having it or what have you. Mm. But, but although it's a, 
has positive attributes, it also has negative attributes as well, whatever they are, and one of them might be creating a, a, a loss of diversity of cultural experiences where if anything anyone knows is having a phone mm. and talking and doing filming and what you know it's a positive thing but so mobile phones are already helping to to get rid of crime mm. and violence mm. and if it keeps on going uh uh we'll we'll end up with a utopian situation if we survive covid19 um uh with um or covid20 <laughs> um uh, uh We'll have a utopian civilization because you won't be able to do anything um, without someone knowing about it. Mm, that's not like of the hive mind. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're beginning to get into a hive mind situation, and and the and of course, um, for greater success and great, you know, greater efficiency, the more you should you, you be closer and closer communication. So. So you begin to to know what everyone's doing and everyone's thinking the same thing, mm. and so that has the wonderful positive a- attributes of having uh, a, 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 of having a utopian civilization, mm. but it too has major drawbacks mm. because what that creates then is that you have to sacrifice a bunch of things. So you cr- sacrifice independent thought. <laughs> you sacrifice creativity, which means you sacrifice literature. You sacrifice comedy, because comedy comes from surprise, and actually you react what we call laughing. You know, someone telling you a story, and then there's a surprising ending, unexpected, and you react by laughing. Mm. Uh, but if we once you begin to approach a hive mind like situation. There's, there's no chance of comedy anymore, or literature, or creativity, and so every report—it's like enlightenment. Yeah, enlightenment. <laughs> uh, and so any report of of extraterrestrials, they say they act like they're almost robotic, like they have hive minds. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and in fact, they themselves say they've got hive minds, and they regard the humans as wonderful because they've got independent minds <laughs> and it's almost unimaginable for them to have independent minds and the humans are having wonderful interesting lives and the aliens are having boring lives because they've got a hive mind because they're just like ants mm. intelligent ants but and they're with, with technology that's with off fabulous the technology that we don't understand but, but they don't <laughs> but it's, it brings them no joy say <laughs> Because, because um, I mean, it would bring them joy to a degree, but to be so used to it, it's just like you know, it's like everything it's like else. Us you know, with the car, and us yeah, with the mobile phone now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check yeah. your emails and yeah, yeah. And then you might get angry at your mobile phone, where previously you only expected pleasure from it. You know, and uh, where now you know, it's angry. You get angry because people are constantly contacting you or trying to tell you what to do or making sure you're doing your job or whatever or something or getting rid of your privacy or whatever. So. And so the extraterrestrials, they, they seem to be, you know, a number of different species and they seem to operate together because, once again, you've always got to look at the f- final likely outcome, not the sort of stepping stones. We always look at the sep- stepping stones and think, oh, you know, this is fantastic, but it's only on, <laughs> it's only on the journey, as it were. Mm. And so the extraterrestrials, I mean, they're going to meet each other 
they're going to be peaceful because they have to have a harmonious hive mind type civilization. Yeah, and probably hive minds that are sort of like parallel. Yeah, and so they're going to start interrelating. But the um, thing as well, you also don't have, if, you've, if you don't have challenges, what do you do in life? Like I always thought, well, what are these extraterrestrials doing? Mm. If, it, if you don't need to eat because of, you know, you've got your energy supplies, your food supplies, whatever it is. Yeah. They just might just bathe in a liquid or eat soup or something or, yeah. other or whatever. You don't have to go and get it. Yeah. Uh, and you don't need to do anything for the energy because you're taking it straight out of the environment. What are you going to do? What's there to do in life? Nothing. There's nothing to do. What you just look, you just watch, or whatever. Observe, yeah. Observe, and observe that's what they seem tinker, to do. They experiment. just observe. But then, but that's see, tinkering is a stepping stone. So you mm. make the experiment. Well, they've already made the. They've already tinkered. They've already made the experiment. Now, like, what happens next? Because you always got to look at what's going to happen in the end. You know, because it's the end that's important. Yeah, um, because um, the the process the is, is 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 just a is just part of the history, mm. <laughs> and like um, like uh, I mean the history is important, and it's been like the history of humanity, the history of the world has been fabulous, mm. but <laughs> it's the end point now that's sort of important, and and so just trying to look into the future, like you know um, humans have had a fantastic time, especially in the last sort of. 50 years or whatever, say, you know, where we're the luckiest humans on earth because we've got health and we're not over, overrun by, by superstition and threats and terrible wars and everything mm. um, for the majority. But, um, yeah, so what are the aliens doing? I mean, the aliens themselves say that they know every individual on the planet, like they know every insect on the planet. Mm. But... What are they? All they can do is observe, and 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 they and they seem to seem to interrelate. And I actually the first person to name them. I named thirty species. I uh, I uh, <coughs> undertook a uh, biological classification based on Linnaeus's work. The way we classify animals here, you know, with um, you know, an order and a f- family and a genus and a species, etc. Uh, and so I identified. Purely academically, like because we don't have the, we don't have, we've only got des- descriptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so purely, it's a, it's a just a, it's just a, an academic work. Like it's just because we don't really know 100 percent if there truly are aliens. We've, you know, we've seen the odd photograph and drawings and pictures and what have you, and and read descriptions. Mm. Uh, but they, but they, but the descriptions are always the same. And they sound like they're like what you would expect. So the animals probably ape-like animals, uh, primarily uh, that um, develop technology and and space travel. Mm. Uh, and travelling in space, then um, you adapt to that, and that car that turns into you what you are. Mm. And so you know, so yeah. the aliens are mainly this generally smaller. Mm. And they look like they look like they're nocturnal. They've got big eyes. Mm. They're, they're, they've got very little muscles. You know, they're not strong. You know, these There's are no the greys. They don't they're, have to carry things. And that, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Chop wood, carry water. And if you're living in a spaceship, like you know, say in Star Wars or Star Trek or something, the way it is, outside is dangerous. Inside is safe. Mm. If you're in space, and so. 
And the view's nothing to write home about because the view's the same view you get at night if you've got a clear night. It's just black with lots of pinpoints of light, all unbelievably distant apart. Mm. It takes a hell of a long time to go from one to another. Even if you're travelling at the speed of light, it takes, it takes a while. And when you get there, it all looks the same. It's just another star and another planet, right? There's nothing else mm. right throughout the whole universe. And <clears throat> if you're going to form a colony... Your colony is just going to be like a big spaceship, basically, or whatever. So you might, you would live either, um, probably in, you'd have underground bases, and there's probably underground bases in the moon, maybe, or all through the Earth. And you're probably not going to be going backwards and forwards from your sort of home planet, because why? Why would you leave your home planet where it's interesting mm. and come out this? you know, come out to look at the humans, which is, you know, what, are you going to sit there and just look at them or something? Well, uh, maybe they're... Yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, and and they obviously they're harmless. They're not dangerous. No, yeah, yeah. And you can see that Murphy's Law still applies because their spaceships crash. Mm. And our whole technology is based on alien technology from, from what I've read. Yeah. And that Roswell crash, that's where we got um, all of our modern microchip technology... Uh, it's yeah. getting smaller and smaller. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 and to create it, that hive mind, really. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and, and, and so, and so that there's there seem to be a, a number of different alien species. Um, there's those greys. There's another species that looks that's shaped a bit like a an an, an insect, like a, a praying mantis. Mm. But it it could be a, just a mammal that's you know just got. The shape of a praying mantis, we don't really know. Mm. But, uh, uh, and then there's these things supposed to be reptoids, they look like they've evolved from dinosaur like animals or whatever, reptiles. Not true reptiles and being cold blooded, but warm blooded, but you know, maybe with scaly skin. The other thing is, of course, we've evolved from reptiles and, and birds, you know, birds have splayed reptile scales, which are feathers. And we have elongated scales, which is hair or fur. So, um, so you know, all these different groups of animals interrelate. You know, like our lungs come from the lungfish, mm. which still live in the rivers in in um, southeast Queensland, unchanged in four hundred million years. Are the first organisms to breathe atmospheric oxygen. Before then, they just took oxygen out of the water. Mm. And then they were able to move onto the land over vast periods of time, very slowly and purely accidentally, evolve into the amphibians and then they get drier, uh, hard, drier eggs and harder eggshells and, and drier and harder skin, less permeable, so they can adapt to life on the land and you get reptiles and then the reptiles... Um, uh, it, increase the length of their scale so it becomes hairs and they climb into the trees and uh, begin to look like squirrels and then monkeys and then they begin swinging through the trees and look like gorillas and chimpanzees and orangutans <laughs> and then go come back onto the land and then start swimming and end up looking like modern humans mm. but as a continuation with with lungfish lungs and you know and sort of the centre of our brain is sort of like a reptilian brain, you know, with a mammalian brain on top of that, like constantly adapting and changing or whatever. Yeah. 
Until we got modern humans. Until we got like AI chips now and embedded into our foreheads and eyeballs and ears and nose and, you know, really just tinkling with our senses, giving us bio, like a biodynamic feedback to morph our reality in in unknown ways. But it probably won't happen because, (laughs) because... If it's not highly efficient and it's not essential and it doesn't solve challenges, and if it doesn't, if it, it has to be energy free. Like I mean, and and then where's where's in. the minerals coming from? Mm. So anything like that. That's why biological systems are better mm. than anything that's created. Because anything that's created, you have to bring all the the parts together from elsewhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's not adapted into you. It's not yeah, embodied. Yeah. And so that's why, like, that's why this COVID nineteen's <clears throat> just taken over and swept the humans aside, as it were, mm. because it's simply another life form, or even pre-life form, or whatever. But it's come out of big things like bats or pangolins or something. Mm. And uh, but the technology, like, I mean, it's a lot of effort to put it together, and then it begins to disintegrate. Mm. <laughs> it's not going to survive for long. No, it's going to morph and. Potentially, and, and just be like a normal thing that we carry around, and, and that's like you know, a robotic life. I don't think will be will ever eventuate because organic life is is much more, it's much more efficient. Yeah, it's more resilient. More resilient, yes, and it's and it's you know, a one robot is nothing compared to a forest of organisms or something or other. You know, like. That robot will eventually rust away or stop working and then the forest will just grow all over it and incorporate it back into the forest, you know. The yeah. So the Earth can never really die in that way. Uh, no, the Earth will, pro- will, will probably... If there's been five great extinctions and we're in the middle of the sixth great extinction mm. and it'll probably take about 30 million years for the Earth to recover. And there mm. won't be any people. But um, there'll be all kinds of wonderful animals and plants because mm. um, life just keeps on surviving unless it's unless something totally devastating happens. Mm. But I don't think there's anything. But but uh, and 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 in intelligence like there might never be intelligence and you know human-like intelligence on the planet again. Who knows? It's not it's not um, guaranteed. You know, intelligence is another accident. Yeah. And there's no such thing as justice, you know. All of these things that humans believe in, there's no justice in the world, you know. Uh, uh, and, 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 and the other interesting thing is that the all of that that we've been talking about is all dependent on the on the um, the the subatomic reality, um, the uh, uh, the you know the quantum mechanics, the quantum field. Mm. that everything's composed of mm. in, in which there's no time so so ev- everything that we're it's always like the eternal present you know there's there's um there's no time and maybe there's no space yeah and, in, and all the information that ever was or could be is always available to us yeah yeah and and but but most of the information will never be available because you know we're only been we're only able to to examine the the uh, a tiny bit of the electromagnetic spectrum that includes visible light and a little bit beyond, yeah. but apparently that electromagnetic spectrum 
goes to infinity. <laughs> so, 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 uh, so our consciousness is 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 extremely restricted as far as the environment's concerned. Yeah, and our consciousness is you know it's a community consciousness as well. Mm. Uh, but um, so so uh, you know the universe mightn't even look like it appears to us. And the other thing is. We really can't see anything where, because the, to see anything, the sunlight is bouncing off objects and hitting the back of our eyeballs, and that sends a signal to our brain. And so we create the image that we think we see in our brains. Mm. So this image you can see in front of your face, that's purely an image inside your brain. It's not the actual image. It's not the reality that's outside. It's a very, it's a very good copy of it say yeah and you you know because you can't look at, there's so many when you look at in your around you there's so many objects that you from the light bouncing off going into your eye that your brain actually creates a lot of the objects that you even though they're there it's creating it there to fill in the picture because you can't see all of these things you know you can't take in all of these things around you like at once mm. and so the brain is creating this image so who knows what the true reality is? Yeah, on on that ultraviolet spectrum of that. Yeah, yeah, or that you know that and that, uh, that, uh, that quantum mechanical field. Mm. Um, you know, there might be no part. There's only change. And, you know, the cosmologists, the cosmologists say yeah, the universe can can is um, made of movement, mm. but there's nothing moving. Mm. Because there's no solid, it's not solid. There's no solid, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's all energy's moving. It's energy. From one form into another. Yeah, and then, but since there's no, only objects can move, well, energy moves, but, but, but um, what's moving? Like, mm. how can you have, there's they only say, movement, but there's nothing moving. So say, even that um, may be an illusion, uh, because what's created the, you know, I mean, we know energy is created by an object. You know, two objects hit together and they make, and they create energy, and it be like an accident, a car yeah. crashing, or something or other, or you hitting reaction. Your, yeah, yeah, you're you're hitting one hand with the other, or something, and the sound created, and what have you, whatever. What if it's consciousness, <coughs> like intermingling with the field? Well, well, from that, your brain, because your brain's got so many connections, like the universe, it's yeah, got stars in the universe. So, so that's so that might be what the true reality. There's only consciousness, mm. and that and that and that the only thing that exists is consciousness. Uh, and then you've come to the, you know, you've got to the ends of reality, a sort of thing, you know, like you can't. Then what are you doing now? Yeah, <laughs> As yeah. consciousness, well, let's do it again. Let's try this again. Let's play with experiencing life and all the wonders. Well, that's all you can do. You know what I mean? You know, you, you solve your challenges and you appreciate. You know, appreciation's everything. Mm. You have to appreciate your existence because your existence is so unlikely. Yeah, it's miraculous that any of us exist. Yeah, and our existence is unlikely to last for very long, mm. especially compared to the age of the universe and the size of the universe. And we're of almost no consequence whatsoever. Mm. And and. And if you think you're important, well, we're all important to ourselves, but, like, you watch the news and there's half a million people dead from coronavirus mm. and th they're of no value to you. They're not important. 
like don't of course, yeah. you don't know them, you can't know them. You see them, you, they're just figures, they're half a million dead. And then you'll see someone hmm. on TV saying, oh, yes, my mother and father's dead and the sister and brother and uncle's dead or whatever. And then suddenly they're important to you because you can empathise with them. Oh, my God, that's a person. There's a mm. person just like me or the wife or the, or the child or something. And it's unimaginable to have your family all dead from this virus or something. And then it's gone to the next news item and they're like... Yeah. <laughs> your consciousness is, is, um, is able to, to be steered in, into a direction of focus. Yeah. And that's probably part of the game that's being waged out on this, you know, in society, creating a hive mind or even just, you know, just entertaining people because, what are, you know, like, there's no more challenges. There's only really one challenge that we all face where we risk our lives, and that's driving a car. Mm. And soon that's going to be phased out. And then you've got no challenges... Well, the challenges are probably increased because as the civilization collapses, since it's mm. since the civilization is is doomed to collapse mm. um, because it's or it's, evolve the, the, because it's well the foundations are dodgy. Yeah. It's totally built on dodgy foundations. I mean, it's it's on a, an, an incredibly dodgy financial structure that the whole thing is. That's the economy is is money, mm. and the whole that situation one hundred percent. Unsustainable. Like I mean, it's all completely. It's all imaginary. You know, the country's just printing money. Mm. Uh, you know, it's all imaginary. Uh, it's based on nothing. You know, it's based on gold value of gold, which is almost imaginary. You know, they store blocks of gold in place, and they oh, that's that's worth something. You might as well say that to bricks or something. You know, well, everything's got a value, of course. Uh, and uh, and uh, but. Um, so that's dodgy, and then the other problem with with a civilization, because once again, that you can never escape the, um, the the basic laws of the universe. You know, with every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So there's an, a sacrifice to everything. You know, there's a Murphy's law is always always there. If it can go wrong, it will go wrong, and mm. you know, that happens all the time. And it will go wrong. There's no two ways about it. And the trouble with civilization, for instance, is that it can only survive if it's growth, if there's growth. Mm. It has to grow for the economy to survive and everyone to get jobs and everything. But as the population grows, the infrastructure cannot be maintained. It's impossible to increase the infrastructure at a cost that's affordable to the community. So that's why the roads get jammed up and everything gets... <laughs> You know the the trains, everything, everything. As the population grows, you need more and more people to grow the economy, but the infrastructure, its foundation, cannot be grown. It's too expensive. I mean, you know, to like you you want to put in a new road, it costs you millions or billions or you know, a tunnel, and then as soon as you've finished it, it's already over. It's already it's very maxed out. Yeah, maxed out already mm. because the population's growing. So that alone will destroy the civilization. That mm. alone, it, you know, that because it's not sustainable, and you can't be. They say, "Oh, we're sustainable," but we're, <laughs> we're not even slightly sustainable. Sustainable is the same amount of energy putting in as the same amount of energy coming out. 
See, that's why the Aboriginal people are able to survive for, you know, maybe 130,000 years, the latest evidence from, from um, uh, fireplaces found in, in Warrnambool in Victoria. 130,000 years have been accurately dated. Wow. But if you're living sustainably, you're living in harmony with your natural environment, with your community, you can go on for a vast period of time. Mm. But as, this, as soon as you're 1% unsustainable, well, that's, you've reduced, <laughs> you've reduced <laughs> the possibility. And then, and then, of course, that trouble is that 1% of unsustainability also has advantages because, um, you know, you can... That's where technology comes from, you know, mm. and so we can build up our technology... Uh, and we're mining, but you know we're running out of oil, and then we've got to go to solar power, and you know, and then we're polluting the environment like it's just creating endless problems. <laughs> so the whole thing is is non-sustainable, and non-sustainable means it has to collapse. It That's cannot... that foundation that you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, the foundation it, just went. Oh, it, it's like it's like a you know a, a building of playing cards. You know, like I mean, it, it, it's it, pretty simple, but they can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the house on, of cards. We're is... on, we're on the precipice, and they're still arguing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty weird about little things. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so you know, so and the the future, it's always later than you think. It's always later than you think. <laughs> oh, later in the cycle, like later in the evolutionary. Later in everything. It's later. It's always later in the day than you imagine it is. It's always, you know, it's always later, you know, in your, in your budget, in anything. It's always, oh, you should have really done something about it earlier. You know, that's the reality of life, you know, but you don't realise, oh, the battery's flat. Mm. A perfect example of um, a good friend of ours, he went to buy a car in Sydney, second-hand mm. car, so um, he forgot to charge his phone. Mm. So he caught the train to this suburb uh, and then his phone died where we had the, uh, the address and Google Earth and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so suddenly he didn't have a way of finding out the, where, this, where, to go. where to go, where the address was. It's a private house in the suburb of us. So, so he thought he would just ask people, but he discovered that he was in a suburb of Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> and hardly anyone spoke any English. And no one could tell him where this street was. <laughs> and, and, uh, and he finally went into a, uh, a shop to buy some food. <laughs> and he was also asking there, or trying to recharge his phone, and he wasn't able to. And, and the Korean man, he was standing beside a, a short blonde fellow, and then the Korean man said, "All, all you Aussies look alike." And uh, he said, "Is this your brother?" And he says, "What do you mean, no, it's not my brother." He said, "I, oh. he said, I, I can't tell you you all, all look alike." <laughs> Wait, was this in Korea or Australia? No, no, no that, that was in Sydney. That was in Sydney. This friend recently, he he, he had to give up. He got the train back. He, <laughs> he <had to> <laughs> yeah, his mobile phone let him down. But it was because he'd forgotten to charge the battery. Like you know, that's the trouble with technology. I was just um, wondering, real quick, if you'd comment on like your passion for the environment and um, how that came about. Uh, well, but, well, firstly, there's only the environment. Mm. It, it, nothing else exists but the environment. Uh, and, but I, I was uh, 
purely genetics, you know, we, we are exactly what we were born to be. We cannot change our personality. Um, there's no such thing as turning over a new leaf. Uh, our, our whole personalities are set in stone, they're genetical. And I discovered that when I was growing up because I could see that I was like my parents. And then I was fortunate that my parents were sane and 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 and, and loving and, and and you know part of the community and, and and weren't into alcohol or violence or any sort of unusual behaviour. They're just very ordinary, normal people, mm. and uh, you know, and hardworking and uh, and uh, <coughs> and uh, and my. Mother's side of the family, they they were all farmers. They were they were um, from Scotland. McDonald's, you know, came out in the eighteen hundreds. You know, I'm third generation Australian. My father's side of the family, they were they were travellers. Uh, on my father's mother's side, they came from Poland mm. uh, in the eighteen hundreds when sailing ships and steam engines they. They migrated to Turkey. They were tailors. They had a tailor shop in the days when and you wanted to wear clothes, someone had to make it for you personally. Mm. That would fit there. There was no off the rack. There was no shops you went into and bought something that was made in the other side of the world. It was made right there next door mm. to where you lived. Uh, and then after a few years in Turkey, they migrated to New York. They had a, t- a tailor shop in New York. Then they, mi- then they migrated to London. Mm. They had a tailor shop there. Then they migrated to Sydney. Mm. So they were genetically nomadic. Mm. And Australia is full of nomads. Because why would you come to Australia when you could go to America, say, from Europe? Just mm. talking from Europeans and from, you know, 100 years ago or whatever. And then my parents were very, very... Uh, 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 and my mother's side had said they were the farmers. Uh, uh, and they'd come from... You know, Scotland, but others that married uh, 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 Germans. And my mother's maiden name was Frank. That, her father was German, apparently. Uh, or maybe the grandfather was German or something. And mm. and mother's and father's side, they were Northern European. And, uh, and they were city dwellers or what have you. But, uh, and so, but I noticed as a child visiting other people... That the the kids were similar to the parents. If you observed, and I was an, always an observer, mm. uh, in an age when there was no television. Television came in when I was about nine, uh, and there was only books. Most of them were made, printed in England, mm. uh, and and you sort of watched movies. Went to the cinema on occasions, uh, and it was very community orientated. Um, so so every weekend, you visited relatives. And, uh, uh, and I grew up in Sydney, in the eastern suburbs, uh, and uh, uh, you visited relatives. My mother's relatives, like, you know, were a bit further out or on farms. You'd go and visit them in farms in New South Wales, go on holidays. And uh, the community would gather together every Friday or Saturday night for dances and community events uh, and... And it was all set in a very natural environment um, where there was bushland everywhere. And so I was um, 
observant uh, and I was around me was animals and plants and so I would you know we'd be visiting relatives and I was a child of course and after a little while the parents my parents the adults would be all talking about adult stuff that children aren't interested in at all and I had a I had a still have a brother a single brother younger than me Mm. and so we'd be playing we'd go out into the garden and the backyard and whatever and so I was naturally interested in my environment, so I was interested in the plants and the animals around me. Mm. And I found them more interesting than anything that the people were doing, (laughs) because the people were doing, you know, they were just working and talking about adult things or whatever. Sport wasn't all that important, but there was a variety of sport you could play with for school, tennis and football and cricket and swimming and what have you, and athletics. Uh, But... The most interesting thing was the environment, uh, and so, uh, and it was, I was surrounded by the natural environment uh, because the cities were small, like Sydney, we had a population of maybe a million people or something, uh, and there was bushland everywhere. Uh, and so I found it as a child running around playing in the bush and looking at the animals and plants absolutely fascinating. And because I wanted to understand everything, so I learnt to identify all the animals and plants. And then I wanted to understand people and everything else. And uh, so I slowly, you know, developed detailed knowledge as to my environment and why I think the environment's so important. Amazing. And there's only, there's only the environment. But, but, um, but I had a, a very observational personality, like I watched. And I didn't have... And I think the same thing with my parents, um, because they could have become super successful entrepreneurs and they didn't. Mm. Uh, And then, like, my parents pretty much introduced cappuccinos, coffee drinking to to Sydney at least. You know, they had the largest coffee lounge in King's Cross Mm. and restaurant. Uh, And then they, instead of, they just sold it. And mm. retired like they when they were fairly youngish. You know, mm. I was only sixteen. And they moved to Severs Paradise to retire, and then you know, um, and then we built a small shopping centre, and then <laughs> sold it. Like you know, they didn't, they didn't have that. They weren't. They they didn't have uh, desires. Mm. They didn't suffer from having desires, and all desires bring. Suffering, suffering comes from desires. The more you desire, the more you suffer. Mm. And obviously, you know, if you desire food, if you don't eat, you start suffering. So you, you take care of that desire, you eat something, and then you no longer desire. The, but if you desire things beyond, you know, wealth or money or fame or your fortune. Capa- your capability of fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, know, you, you begin to suffer because you can't... Because you can't <laughs> satisfy those desires I never had desires or ambitions besides understanding life and reality or whatever but I had no desires to be rich or famous or powerful or anything like I, mean, I never had any of those desires I just desired to understand reality mm. uh, and uh, uh, and so I don't have entrepreneurial abilities sort of thing because I don't have desires in that way I mean and I can see that they're pain in the ass. I mean and also because I come from a nomadic sort of background mm. uh, where the majority of the people are centerants. So their genetic 
predisposition to sit in one space and they can sit there happily and live their whole life, you know, in one shop or running one little business. And they're the people that are more into sport, mm. a competitive sport, like I've, mm. you know, you know that. Because you're stationary and you like need station- to occupy yourself. Yeah, yeah, where sport is like other people running around doing things. I'm not interested in. Mm. You know, sport is, you know, it's accidents. Like, I mean, whoever wins or loses, it's an accident of nature because, you know, obviously someone's feeling a bit better or, you know, it's a bit younger or a bit whatever sort of thing, you know, I mean, one team or another. You know, that that's why, you know, you never know who's going to win. It's pointless. Because it's not, it doesn't connect to <laughs> the ecology of nature. No, sort no, of. It, it has a purpose like it, you know, it's probably... It, Makes the population more peaceful because they're so ardently supporting their team. But I couldn't see any reason to support a team because I regard all the teams as equal. Mm. And in fact, I would always want the team that hasn't won to win because I've got empathy. <laughs> and I think, well, I'd like, you know, I'm happy when I hear some team that hasn't won for a long time. Oh, that's good. Mm. I don't want the best team or, you know, sort of the biggest team to always win or something or other. Like, let someone else win, you know. Mm. I mean, you know, some. Tennis expert, you know, I couldn't care less if some some fellow constantly winning. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd rather hear that someone who hasn't won before gets a chance at winning or something. Uh, and uh, but but you know, <clears throat> but the sedentaries, the sedentary population, make up most of the population. Their whole life operates in that way to a huge degree. You know, they and and the way. It, the way it, it comes from, that, it's part, it's part, it all comes from the environment. Originally, we're all nomadic, mm. and, the, and nomadic people, and I went to, I mean, it's a semi-nomadic, you don't mean you're travelling vast, but you usually move around in a territory. Yeah, uh, picking different Yeah, resources, yeah. yeah. And um, so like hunter-gatherers or nomadic people with with the cattle or sheep or whatever, mm. um, where you've got to get new pastures all the time, but you move into your territory. Mm. Uh, 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 they um, they take deity with them. So they live in a sacred environment. Mm. Uh, then once we developed agriculture, and agriculture came from the domestication of the pig. Mm. The pig is agriculture. Mm. Uh, 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 the pig is civilization. Mm. Like, um, uh, you know, we, we, um, horses and cattle and sheep... They're all grazing animals. They've got to graze on new grass, goats and what have you. And they only have like one young a year. Mm. And so you can't be, you can't have a civilization based on them, like to begin with. Uh, and crops, you've got to obviously have crops, wheat and barley and rice and all of those wonderful grains. But you've got to be stationary and, and, um, and crop the soil and, and everything and, mm. and then harvest it and then store it and, and use it and everything. But it was the domestication of the pigs that made a big change because with pigs you can you can enclose them in a, a small walled enclosure made out of sticks or poles or, or, or mud, earth, brickwork or whatever mm. and then... They feed on your scraps, so you just throw in all the stalks of the food and whatever, mm. or the skins or the waste products of what you're eating, mm. and then they produce large numbers of young, mm. and they're fantastic and they to eat. Big. They grow big, and they feed on rubbish, like, right. you know, they don't feed on valuable 
brand new pasture foods. Pasture foods, and you've got to follow them around the countryside because you know can only eat grass where the grass is growing, where it's rained or something, and hasn't yeah. been eaten by cattle already or something, um, or sheep or, or goats with the same situation. But with pigs, are wonderful. Mm. Uh, you can eat all of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and so pigs sort of created civilization, uh, and then. So before, uh, while we're nomadic, um, our, our brains, our genetics, had to be nomadic-like. If you're a nomad, you don't want, want to tend to sit in one place and mm. starve to death. You've got to, you've got to have an in, ingrained desire to move, to travel around, and you're looking. You're looking because you're hunting or taking advantage of the environment, fishing, collecting or whatever, or gardening or growing or whatever. Constant challenges for yourself. Constant challenges, yeah. yeah. And you're interacting with the environment and you take deity with you. You live in a a sacred environment. God's everywhere. Mm. And and sort of Aboriginal people, you tend to be very conservative. You don't disturb. I'm not going to move that rock because God put that rock there like that's there from the dreaming or whatever. I'm not going to move it or something or other. Mm. Because I'm not going to smash it up and turn it into a wall or something or other, maybe because, you know, maybe that's not what's supposed to happen. Mm. But once with the, with the domestication of the pig and the creation of, of um, a settled establishments, and then you've got cropping, so you've got pigs and you've got chickens in as well, a wonderful, you know, that was another incredibly important dom- domestication. Uh, and then. So then you've got a a different situation where um, you're only going to be successful if you're stationary. Mm. You can't afford to move about. So you've got to be happy to sit in one spot. Mm. Uh, And that's the way we've developed civilization. Mm. Uh, And so the majority of the people, say, in the rest of the world mainly have that sedentary, civilised sort of genetics where they're happy to spend their whole life and they don't look around. They, you know, they just... And they just have desires, and they and they, and they you know they don't look to one because also they're living in large numbers, and to look around means you, you know, you and in a larger group, you've got people all around you trying to take advantage of you, trying to sell you something or take something from you or whatever, or want to do a deal or whatever. So you tend not to look around, and you tend to close yourself down because everyone in the streets pushing and jostling and everyone trying to sell you something and you're trying to just do your thing. So you've got to close your mind down to become sort of civilised mm. in the beginnings anyway. And so I'm interested in the environment and Carmel and we're all interested in the environment because we've got a more known... I think we come from nomadic ancestry, you know, where, where the genetics... We might have always lived... We never lived in the centre of the city or something, that we always lived on the edge of the city. We're more into looking at the environment and, you know, we don't like large scrums of people pushing and shoving and so we don't suffer from jealousy and and uh, and, and we don't... De- and suffering from desires and we don't des- suffer from s- the want of status, like, you know, to a nomadic person. You don't care if someone has higher status than you. You're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. All right, so it's lunchtime now, and so thanks for listening to episode number nine of the Quantum Feedback Podcast, where the environment is everything, and I hope you're looking after your inner environment, I hope you're looking after your outer environment, and I hope you're looking after yourself during these times that we're in, because there's nothing more important than taking care of yourself so that you can do what's necessary, so you can do and become the person that you're meant to be. So until next time... 
Thanks for listening to the Quantum Feedback Podcast. So for any links and resources to this show or others, go to quantumfeedback.org. Thank you.